Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning. This is Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're going to be here with you today talking about all things Eucharistic. And as you may know, we have started the Eucharistic Revival here in the Diocese of Fargo and across the nation. Uh, we also have started a the local diocesan synod. And so we'll be talking on some of those topics today. But mostly we're going to focus on the Eucharist. And I have a question for you if you're joining us this morning. A question for you. If you can go back in your life and think on... What is the earliest encounter that you had with Christ that you can recall? The earliest encounter where you recognized that the Lord was present to you. And maybe take some time to describe that. Think about it. Pray about that. That encounter with Christ. We're going to talk a little bit about that encounter with Christ because obviously in the Eucharist we encounter Christ um, in a special way. But that first encounter with Christ, actually, if you look at it, you might see that throughout your life, that all of your encounters with Christ have something to do with that first encounter that you can recall, and that the Lord reveals himself to you in the same way throughout your life. And so, I invite you to go back and think about that first encounter you had with Christ, how he first revealed himself to you, what that looked like, and how that looks like today, how he's built off that over these years. Thank you for joining us here for Real Presence Live. My name is Steve Splonskowski, and I am in studio with Tom O'Keefe. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Steve. You know, uh, some great things to talk about today, but before we get into the conversation, I do want to start off with a prayer. And I'm going to bring uh, forth a prayer here from Our Lady of Fatima. And actually, this is a prayer that the angel appeared to the, the, the three children before Our Lady did and, and shared with them a prayer um, where he appeared with a, a, ho- a host and a, and a chalice, and they were suspended in the air, and he got down on the ground um, on his knees. And this is actually the prayer, or part of the prayer, for the Eucharist revival. And so let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, and do not love thee. My God, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, and do not love you. My God, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, and do not love you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And that is the prayer that the angel prayed. He taught the children of Fatima. It's one of the prayers that he taught them. Um, as he knelt. And oftentimes, Tom, when I pray that prayer, you know, I pray the prayer and I'm thinking, I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust another. I'm, but I also kind of add in there, I beg pardon for the times that I do not believe. I mean, because I, I mean, let's talk about this a little bit. Just because we're Catholics and we have been in our entire lives doesn't mean that we always completely understand and completely believe everything that the church teaches. Sometimes we wonder, we ask questions. And so even in that prayer, I find myself convicted um, in praying, you know, for the in, in reparation for the times when I did not believe, did not adore, and did not trust the Lord. Do you ever, do you ever fail, Tom? Oh, absolutely. And, and this, this life that we're on, it, it is a journey. 
and 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 are we are called to grow in our faith and grow in our virtue and as we're moving in that we we are changing so that changes how how we view view everything in life and our relationship with the eucharist and our relationship with christ is just that a relationship and there's days when it's dry and there's days when it's glorious and there's days when we doubt and, and there's days when it's ecstatic uh, and we just have to be able to stay committed to those and choose to stay committed to that relationship through all of that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great point. That's how relationships are, right? They change. They, we, every day we have to decide to uh, uh, commit to the relationships uh, that we have in front of us. So, Tim, uh, folks, we're going to continue this conversation. But I want to give you a little bit of a preview of what's going to come up here throughout the day. Uh, we're, for the first half hour here, Tom and I are going to talk about uh, the Eucharist and our own Eucharistic journeys. Um, also, uh, the next, uh, coming up after that, Sister Alicia Torres, who is part of the National Eucharistic Revival, is going to join us and talk about her story. And then uh, Bishop John Folta of the Diocese of Fargo is going to come on and talk about the Synod um, and his, his own uh, Eucharistic journey and, and talking a little bit about, about that, his encounter with Christ. And then the final half hour will be uh, Father James Ermer. Um, who is the pastor in Castleton, I think it's St. Leo's Parish in Castleton. And he's going to come on and talk about encounter, but also a little bit of teaching on the Eucharist of the Church. And so we are focused, this, uh, our theme is on the Eucharist this hour. Um, and of course, we go back, that word Eucharist is eukaritas, which is from the Greek, which means uh, thanksgiving. Good, good graces um, and good thanks. And so the word thanksgiving. Um, comes you know from that word Eucharist um, is from that Greek that Greek root. So um, so let's talk a little bit about that, Tom. And actually, can I go back and ask you that question that I asked at the beginning? If you can recall, maybe uh, going back as far as you can remember, um, you know your first encounter with Christ. Well, I don't think I'm unlike a lot of uh, Christians, a lot of Catholics, in that I, I was pretty secular through most of my of my. Uh, Catholic journey. I mean, we went to church all the time and things like that, but there wasn't really an intimate relationship. There wasn't that uh, personal relationship they talk about. And intellectually, I never doubted that uh, the Eucharist was the real presence, but uh, it didn't take anything in in my heart. And my first real encounter with Christ was probably in uh, 1990, 1991, during Operation Desert Storm. It was a real uh, difficult time for me. My wife was... uh, I left... Fargo, North Dakota. My wife was nine months pregnant, and uh, Dad hadn't had had the baby. And I'll just never forget that confession with Father Jerry. I don't even remember Father Jerry's last name. Uh, and this the, the sense of that confession, that sense of that forgiveness, was so overwhelming and and, and peaceful. And just I, I, there was something there that I had never experienced before. Something there that I I never felt before. And uh, then how Jesus and, and the rosary got me through that whole experience to, to get home again uh, was probably that time I really first totally depended on God for a period of time. Sadly, I got back to the world and returned to my secular ways for a while, talking about peaks and valleys before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a definite peak for me, but that was a very profound experience for me. And experiencing God at that moment. So... Tom, when, when you go back and look at that uh, moment of the Lord revealing himself to you and, and as his presence to you, um, how does that look like? How does that look going back in, in retrospect as you look back at it? Have you, had, you know, have you had times where you went back and said, okay, what was going on there, Lord, or, or what were you showing me? Well, at that time, I was just so vulnerable and so 
devoid of of, of everything. When you when you're, you're getting ready for a journey like that, you're leaving everything behind: mm-hmm. possessions, family, job, everything. And he was telling me that he was still there, mm. and that's what I needed, and that he would get me through this, uh, and I didn't need all that other stuff. So kind of a divesting of all the things that you have and all right, you need is right. him. Yep, and to put my put my trust in him. Yeah. Uh, and now, in, in hindsight, that's uh, still something I struggle with today. But I have more joyful days when I can put my trust in him. In, in sim- not adversity like that, but adversity of life. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the phrase, my Jesus, I trust in you, which, of course, is the divine mercy. But also, folks, today is the Feast of the Sacred Heart. And if you, under, if you look at the history of the Feast of the Sacred Heart, um, the Divine Mercy builds upon uh, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which is an ancient feast. Or, well, not an ancient feast. It's, a, it's, a, it's an ancient central tenant of our faith. If you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it talks about as a, as a central um, idea of the, ch- of the Church. As you know, that oftentimes the saints will describe that the birth of the Church came from the side of Christ when the soldier pierced, his lan- pierced the side with the lance. That um, was the birth of the church um, out of the side of Christ. And actually this morning in the Office of Readings, you'll read about that um, as well. But it's often uh, stated in that way. And so today, the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Uh, and then as, as we come forth, Sister Faustina has the revelation of the divine mercy, my Jesus, that Jesus, I trust in you. It's just kind of a, a constant invitation into that heart of Jesus. And then let's take that full circle and come that, you know, out, the uh, miracle of Lanciano is the heart tissue of Jesus. It's the heart tissue of Jesus in the miracle of Lanciano, Italy. Um, and so going bringing to the, the Eucharist, Christ gives us his heart, um, his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, and the invitation. Um, so he's, this is kind of that journey with us. He's always trying to invite us into his heart. And if you, you think about it, um, oftentimes the heart is seen as, as the center, mm-hmm. the soul of the person. And uh, so that invitation into him. Now, if, if, you're, if you're listening right now, uh, you know, the invitation is to ask yourself, um, how is the Lord present to me right now? Um, because oftentimes we go through life, and we go through even our day, we go through minutes of our day thinking that we're doing everything alone, that we're the only one who's journeying through this moment. But the Lord is present to us every moment of the day, and he's actually revealing himself to us at every moment of the day. And, uh, and so that encounter with him can happen constantly. Um, Tom, can you share with us maybe uh, how that works for you in the encountering Christ on a daily basis? Well, as, as, as I've, I've uh, returned to the faith, come, come stronger in the faith, it, it's just, the prayer, prayer for me is just something I, I'm kind of doing all day long, even driving in the car. You know, God, what do you think about that? Lord, what do you think about that? Where, what, sh- what should I do here? And, and at times, I, I'm, I'm blessed to work in a, in, a, in a Christian organization. It's not Catholic, but it is Christian. And, and we start every meeting in prayer. And it's, it's just incredible how even the most difficult of discussions take on a different tone when you begin with the Lord. Even if there's a, an employee that you have to coach or a difficult decision that we have to make or the team's in conflict. If we, when we when we bring that Lord into it, we bring the Holy Spirit into it, and ask them to guide guide our actions, our, our meetings. 
it, it's profound how the whole tone of the conversation and the, the meeting changes and brings a level of peace even to those challenging times. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, we, we oftentimes we start in our, in our situations in life, in our conversation, we start with my feelings, my concerns, my judgments of this situation, my judgments of the persons involved in the situation. But uh, it does change when we say, what, what's the Lord think about this? I just had a situation last week, and I can't remember what the conflict was, but there was four of us in the room, and you could see that three or four of us were, just our body posture was, okay, we're ready, to, we're ready for action here. And, and uh, I said, okay, let's just start this meeting in prayer. And everybody's shoulders dropped and like, ah, oh, he's going to start in prayer. That's going to deflate me. But it didn't. It, it energized them. It changed their posture, changed their emotion. And it's, the outcome was really incredible. Well, you know, similar experience, uh, Tom. We were out in Bismarck last weekend, and our, I had a nephew that got married, and our family was getting together and doing some live music for his wedding. Uh, and so we'd been practicing over the months. And there's, if you know my family, I'm from a family of 13 children. We were all raised to be leaders. So <laughs> when we get together, we all try to lead. Uh, and so that can be a challenging. And we were setting up the sound systems and doing sound checks and, and singing and getting the guitars and, and drums all set up. And you could just feel the tension rising. And we were all looking at each other going, the, you know, I, at least as I was sitting there going, I'm thinking, Okay, the tension is rising, and we're all we're all recognizing that the tension is rising because you know it's, I want my you know I want my music stand here, and I want my levels here, and I want to stand over here, and this is bothering me. And can you stop? Can you stop tuning your guitar while we're talking? And you know, and uh, at that point, uh, one of the band members, uh, who was a priest, Monsignor, said, "Okay, let's pray." <laughs> and we prayed, and afterwards we all said, "Thank you, Monsignor." <laughs> you know, it's just you have to. We recognize that that they're we're kind of on the wrong path and we're going down the wrong path and we have to stop and say, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, you need, you need to guide this conversation. Yeah. Well, and you go back to your discussion about having the Lord in your life every day. And, and it can be, it can be as simple as just getting out of bed, starting the door and say, thank, thank you, Lord, uh, for that, for that night's rest. Thank you uh, for what you're done to me. Guide, guide me today. And at the end of the day, again, gratitude for what you've done today uh, for me, uh, through me, uh, the, the challenges, the successes, the joys, uh, just keeping him at your side all day long. Absolutely. And, and what you're saying there, Tom, Tom, gratitude, gratitude. We're talking about the Eucharist, which is gratitude, thanksgiving for what the Lord has given us. And we'll be talking about this gratitude all day. This is Real Presence Live. We're going to step away for a little bit of a break. But on the other side of the break, we're going to continue this conversation. And again, I invite you for the, to ask the Lord, uh, when did I encounter you, Lord? When did I encounter you first? And I would even ask you, go back to uh, maybe before you were born, at conception. What did the Lord think of you? Life begins at conception. We know that the church teaches that science even tells us human life begins at conception. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be back just after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. 
Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. That's right. This is Real Presence Live in studio. Tom O'Keefe and Steve Splonskowski, we're here together with you this morning. And I want to start the segment off with a little prayer that I kind of enjoy uh, praying. It's the Ignatius prayer. It's the, the uh, take, O oh Lord, prayer. Um, that our family prays every more, every morning. Uh, so let's pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Receive, Lord, my entire freedom. Accept the whole of my memory, my intellect, and my will. Whatever I have or possess, it was you who gave it to me. I restore it to you in full, and I surrender it completely to the guidance of your will. Give me only love of you together with your grace, and I am rich enough and ask for nothing more. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love that prayer. There's words, the word surrender speaks to me, um, and needing nothing more but the love of Christ. And you talked about that, Tom, in your encounter uh, with, with Christ, that he said, I'm enough for you. Mm-hmm. I'm enough for you. You need nothing more than my love and my care. Um, just a, such an important point. Yep. All right. Well, um, as part of the Eucharistic revival, uh, there's a year with the Eucharist daily meditations that come out by Father Paul Jerome Keller and and uh, I was blessed to get, be given this by Steve here. And I'm just opened up to page 99 here and let, let the Lord tell us what he wants to tell All right, us. Let's do it. As Jesus, our model and our food. When we receive Holy Communion, we are also receiving all the mind and heart of Jesus. Ours is not a faith based solely on a moral model, but a sacramental union. As we consume Jesus, we are changed from the inside out. I think about that a lot, too, as we go back to that relationship discussion. Uh, we are in this relationship with Jesus and, and, and the sacramental graces that come to us as we receive communion. Uh, we have to partake in that. It's like an intimate relationship we have with, with our, our, our spouse. Our spouse can be kind and generous and, and, and gracious to us, but we, we, if we don't respond, we don't receive that benefit of us. So it's a cyclical thing. We go to communion, we receive the grace, we thank the Lord, we ask him to, to, to change us. We bring our weakness to him, we bring our gifts to him. Our, our failings, our successes at, at that time. And this, this dialogue happens. 
this this circle of of uh, stimulus response action, and that's how we move forward in that change. Because uh, I have I confess, for much of my life, I went to communion and did not engage at the altar like that. Because he says we are changed from the inside out, but we participate in that change. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. That that line stood out to me too, Tom. Change from the inside out it makes me think of you know the work of evangelization is not uh, primarily uh, an external work. It's primarily and and first first most an interior work. We are changed. Uh, we we enter into a deep relationship with Christ. We are filled like kind of like this you know the vision of kind of a fountain that's filled up and when we overflow. But until we're filled, we have nothing to give. Kind of often sense. Uh, I think Monsignor Tom Richter at the convocation of 2018 gave a talk on evangelization and talks about how you know when you when you fall in love when you first start dating um and you fall in love with that person that you're you're dating uh you want to tell everybody about him you're like oh hey i just met this guy i met this girl and she, oh, she's so wonderful we just come in, we bubble over we overflow with things uh to say about them the good things we say about them and that's the same thing with christ evangelization needs to be an overflowing a bubbling over of that love, that relationship we have with Christ interiorly. And so it's, we have to be changed from the inside out. And what happens if, you know, you look at a, a book, a great book, um, Soul of the Apostolate, take that look. It's a free book online. It's so old that uh, you can print it or you can download it online. It's one of those great books that, that uh, history, you know, it's just a great book. And uh, talks about that if we are not filled in the interior life, if we are not filled with that interior love of Christ, guess what? We dry up when we try to go out and do evangelization because we have nothing to give. And so we have to be filled with the sacraments. That interior life um, has to be the source of all the work that we do of evangelization. And what is evangelization? I mean, that's a word that it, it, uh, Monsignor Tom Richter also said, you know, it's been one of the most boring world, words in my life. I, I've always hated that word wrong, along next to the word stewardship, along next to the word of vocation. It's just a boring word. It's a great big word, evangelization. Tom, how would you define evangelization? What does that look like to you? Well, as you're talking, Steve, about, about that and the bubbling over and, and uh, in that new relationship, I'm just thinking about sharing your joy. Mm. You know, just sharing your, your, your joy in the Eucharist, sharing your experience, not being afraid to do that because of the how, how people will think. You're, you're so full in love with Jesus that you can't not tell people about it. And they're going to see that in you. They're going to see that authenticity, that, that truth that's coming from you. That reminds me of First Peter where he says, always be ready to give a reason for your hope. Um, that it's just like, this is why I'm, I'm so joyful. This is my reasoning for it. I was uh, recently reading encyclicals from all the different popes on evangelization. The one that stood out to me was with Pope Paul VI, and he said, Evangelization is bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ into every human situation. And that just really stood out to me. It struck me because I do think um, that if we as Catholics and as Christians were overflowing, bubbling over with this love of Christ, and allowed that to change every human situation, as we were just talking about, allowing prayer to dictate and then the heart of Jesus to dictate how we handle every situation, the world would be a much different place. Because we, we talked earlier about having that presence in our daily life in every situation of our own lives. And when we get to that point where we're, we're there, have that, that presence in our, our every situation of our own life, we can truly share it with others. 
Yeah, you know, and I was similarly. I was. I've shared this story with some of my friends, and just that idea of when you go into a situation that might be difficult. Where I was even talking to my children about this the other day. Where sometimes we get in a situation where, out of justice, we really have a right to a certain amount of respect or a certain amount of response or a certain amount of help. You know, there's just kind of a justice about that, and. And, and that, that's okay. That's okay to expect that's a certain amount of that, that justice towards ourselves. However, um, I propose to you an idea that kind of based upon the scripture of, you know, it's, it's easy to be virtuous in t- when things are going well. It's, it's easy for me to love the person who loves me. It's easy for me to be kind to the person who is kind to me. It's, you know, all those kinds of things. But what about in the situation where I technically deserve justice i deserve um this amount of respect i deserve this response or this you know, affirmation to forego that out of an uh, a desire for humility out of a desire for for the grace um to only have christ uh, isn't that isn't that actually where where heroic virtue comes into place versus saying you know, yeah, I, I absolutely, I deserve the acknowledgement for this, or I deserve that person. Um, that person out of justice should apologize to me, and I'm not going to apologize to them till they apologize to me. You're probably right. But wouldn't it be her- heroic virtue to step up and say, but I'm not, even though I deserve that, I'm not going to take it. Father, uh, Reese Weber was visiting with him the, uh, a week ago, and he was, I don't know how it came up, but he said, uh, an expectation is nothing more than an anticipated disappointment or resentment. <laughs> Say that again. An expectation is nothing more than an uh, anticipated disappointment or resentment. You're already setting yourself up uh, to be angry and, and be disappointed. So that justice that you feel you deserve, if it doesn't come to you exactly as you, you, ex- you want it, as you expect it, uh, you'll be less than satisfied. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you go into that idea of an opportunity to, to be humbled... As uh, Saint Alphonsus Liguori uh, just says, uh, embrace those opportunities where I'm insulted. Embrace those opportunities where I, people are unkind, um, and thank the Lord for that opportunity to be humbled, and let the Lord, who knows how this is going to come out and play out, let Him handle it. Well, and I think that that's uh, goes back to this conversation on evangelization and on Eucharist because, you know, often. Uh, some of the early church fathers talked about how they would say of the early Christians, look how they love one another. You know, and Christ even says, love your enemies, um, hate those, or love those who persecute you. If, if we as Christians approach these struggles of the world differently, as Christ had reminded us and, and invited us to, people would recognize that, oh, these Christians, they do something a little different versus, you, oh, you Christians, you're just like everybody else, you know? When you, you, you do this and we do that. You, you, how do we stand out? You know, how do we stand out? And, of course, this is a personal invitation to all of us because we are always invited into human situations every moment of the day, into relationships, into difficulties, into opportunities. How, how has our relationship with Christ changed how we respond to these situations? Well, I have a... A dear friend who has reminded me many times that as Christians, we're called to respond to these situations in charity. And, and, and what does that look like? And uh, how do we think about the, the, the good of the other over the, the good, of, good of ourselves? And to not respond in anger and to just to embrace that person's own challenges, that person's own fear, that person's own anger, and, and uh, just listen and, and be kind and, uh, and responsive in that way. 
Yeah, it's a challenge for myself. I, I'm, I'm always challenged by, I think the thing that I, I know the thing that I fail at constantly, Tom, is charity. I mean, in every situation that when I go back and do my exam in the morning, it's like, okay, here we go. Here we go. We're going to see all the times that I failed in charity. And I think that is the call. The difference, I guess, I was even thinking over the years with COVID and all the different things, you know, you have different, different people within the church, outside the church, different people within science, and they have different opinions about how things are happening, what's going on. It was driving me crazy. I was telling my kids, the one thing, I, I can't find the truth. You know, I would be happy if I could say, well, the truth is, and I'm sitting here going, I, I, can't, I, I can't find the truth. The only thing that I can find is how to respond to all this with charity. And uh, getting back to our earlier comment about the, the, the changing from the inside out and the Eucharist being our food. These are the things that we have to take to the Eucharist as we bring our gifts to the altar. Uh, that These are, the, are, are, are what he wants to hear. He wants to hear about our frailties. He wants to hear about our weaknesses. He wants to heal us for the inside out. He wants to strengthen those things, things that we already have that are strong, and to help us to respond in charity and love to our neighbor uh, as he did. Absolutely. You know, it's a as we, we kind of wrap up here, and we're going to head into a conversation with uh, Sister Alicia Torres uh, to think about that question of how we all are wounded. Uh, the Catechism talks it reminds us that if we ever go into evangelization forgetting the woundedness of man, we will fail um, at this work of evangelization. We all have wounds. We all act out of those wounds. And we need to recognize that our brethren are often acting out of those wounds, and so we need to give them charity. We need to give them patience. This is Real Presence Live. We're going to turn on the other side with a conversation with Sister Alicia Torres, talking more about the Eucharistic Revival and her works of charity. Don't go anywhere. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 